You're listening to A World of Black Writers from the Hurston Wright Foundation. This is Natalie Hopkinson from the Hurston Wright Foundation. I'm here today speaking to Sajana McRae, the author of Rapture, a book of poems that was a nominee for the 2017 Hurston Wright Literary Awards. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about your life and how it relates to the book? You know, my mother was a, a comfort woman during the Vietnam War. My father was an African-American soldier, and so they've always sort of been others. And for them to get married and then move to the States and then to be sort of like an other in their own community and then have a biracial child who is an other who is gay as an other. There are lots of others (laughs) in this book. Wow. You know, like I check off a lot of boxes and that hopefully like, uh, you know, when people read the book, you know, people who are others will find comfort in this book too. I was just saying, wow, because, you know, that's part of a global history, you know, that we often aren't grappling with as much. And also a lot of issues of gender and power and race and and all of those things wrapped up. How difficult is it for you to be writing? Is your family sensitive to the fact that you're writing about your background and your identity? Well, I don't really have a relationship with my mother. My father passed away, so... That sort of allows you some sort of uh, freedom to figure things out for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have to depend on anyone's approval or anything like that. But I know that my father, I think when he was young, he wanted to be a writer. And I think it it was nice for him to have a son who became a writer. My uncle always tells me this story that my father was the first person in our family to go to college. He didn't finish, but, you know, that impetus for education and for writing was there. Um, He was drafted, you know, and I think that, you know, his life could have gone an entirely different way if he had had the same opportunities as I've had. I actually think he wanted to write poems. Mm. He would always quote um, that Shakespeare line uh, about the world being a stage. He would always quote that to me. Like, I always think of our relationship as like a Frasier, you know, like an overeducated son and a, a policeman father. And he always used to surprise me with pieces of his education. What specifically in your life opened this door into writing for you? Like, okay, so this you're hearing him quote Shakespeare and there's that longing that's there, but what specifically told you that you could have a go at this and make your living in your life as a writer? I think I've always been a, a really quiet person, like terribly quiet. And I went to a, a performing arts high school and I was originally like a fine arts major. And then I, I had to declare a minor. And so I declared that creative writing is a minor. And the more that I, the more that I was exposed to all the different writers, 
the more I thought that this was a way that I could be quiet and speak at the same time. I really like the sort of the passion of James Baldwin, that sort of rhythm I could really understand. I love Maya Angelou. When you're a kid, you fall in love with language first. I remember discovering the poem Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. I can remember sitting in a creative writing class and reading that to the rest of my class. I think about it now, I think it's kind of funny because I'm just like, my goodness, like, if they didn't know that I was going to grow up to be a queer black writer then, I mean, and I was into it, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, phenomenal, phenomenal woman. <laughs> and I just remember that memory so clearly. Like, I was so into that poem. Um, she had a lot of poems that I, I really, really just loved. I love Nikki Giovanni. Um, Nikki Giovanni was also from Cincinnati, and she also looked like me, which is actually a really important thing. Like, uh, you know, she she looked like a biracial, little light-skinned um, black person, and that really meant a lot to me. Having somebody to identify with, right, as you say, as this, as this other not black, not Korean, something of a third space, right? Now, although, I will say that uh, one of the first essays that I wrote was about me coming home and telling my father that I was biracial, and my father looking at me and being very clear and saying, you're not biracial, you're black, and making it very clear. Um, I was so excited. Like, you know, I made a new friend, and you know, her mother was white, her father was black, and she was telling me all these things about how I was biracial, too. And so I came home, and I was all excited to tell my father, guess what? I'm biracial. <laughs> and my father's like, no, boy, you are black. The world is going to treat you like you're black. You are black. And so, you know, that's the way I've always identified myself until I moved to New York, and I was a teacher. And I had these two Korean girls sitting in the back of the class, and they kept staring at me. And then finally, they got the nerve to raise their hand, and they asked me if I was Korean. And I said, well, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm half Korean. And they just got so excited, and they just started giggling. And then the, um, the next day, you know, I was walking down the hallway, and all the all the Korean kids and Chinese kids and Asian kids are like high fiving me, and it's like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, wow. I mean, they were excited to have you know even a half Asian teacher at the head of the classroom, and so that was the first time like I thought, oh, you know, like you know, I'm I'm two things, not just one, two. And then, you know, in the later part of the book, I started exploring sexuality. And so it's almost like, oh, I'm three things. Yeah, I think that's the wonderful thing about writing is that you get to explore multiple, like there's so many dimensions and really finding the language to be able to zero in and the economy of language that poetry affords to be able to zero in and sort of explore is really remarkable. 
which of the, I mean, I don't know if you can pick one of these poems, but which one did you find to be the most difficult? I think the, the poem about my mother, the comfort woman poem, was yes. pretty difficult. Yes. Um, it took me a really long time to acknowledge that and to be able to, to use that as material. I mean, it's just not a, a normal kind of, most mothers bake cookies or something like that. You know, my mother was not a cookie baker. So that was a difficult poem. There's a poem called Portrait of My Father as a Young Black Man. Mm -hmm. And that poem, I think, was difficult because I went through something in my late 30s where I was just filled with rage. Like I, you know, the news became... You know, there were all these shootings and just everything was just, like, I really felt, I think, what James Baldwin talks about. He talks about uh, if you're black, that you will have this rage or this fire within you. You will have this healing. Um, and he almost describes it like a fever, you know. At some point, this fever will catch you. And, you know, in my late 30s, um, I was living in Chicago, and the fever just caught me, and I just felt angry all the time about all the things that were sort of happening and that you were powerless to control. One of the things that's so wonderful now is that I feel like um, a lot of writers of color are catching fire and, you know, documenting everything that's happening. That's been one of the nice things I think about the current crop of poets is that they are doing uh, heavy work. I'm not necessarily including myself in that category, but, you know, there are, you know, poets that are doing real work. Um, I think Dana Smith, who was just nominated for the National Book Award, I think is doing real really sort of critical work, especially about documenting the sort of slaughter of black boys that's going on in this country. That actually brings me to one of my questions I was actually going to say for last, but we'll ask it now, is that what is the role of poetry in the times that we're living now? You know, poetry, I think, is always sort of like a mirror, um, and it shows you know, who we are. But the best part, I think, of poetry, to me, is that it shows us what we can be. You know, not just who we are, but what we can be. Poetry always seems ultimately hopeful to me, but I do think that I love the poets now that are just, they're almost like cell phones. They are recording and making everything known. And, you know, because it's poetry, it's much more powerful because not only is it metaphor, but it's it's real at the same time. So you've got uh, poets like Dan S. Smith and uh, this one poet that I had the pleasure of reading with, I think her name is Lady Long Soldier? I think that's her name. Mm -hmm. And um, she is a Native American poet. And it's just amazing also. So there are poets, you know, doing, doing really heavy work. And I think my own poems 
I always think of them as comforting versus confrontational. I always think of the poems that I write as refuge for people who are different. That's beautiful. So going back to the poem Comfort Woman, which you know you mentioned is one of the really difficult poems, and it is uh, you know bracingly transparent. Like, how did you come to understand that that's what she was? And that was that the language that was used calling her a comfort woman? You know, I didn't use the word comfort woman until, you know, when I started doing research and, you know, I started, you know, reading about, I mean, it was a whole industry. You know, the Korean government would go and, you know, gather these really poor rural women who probably didn't have many opportunities and tell them that they were doing a service to their country if they were, you know, prostitutes for, you know, the U.S. soldiers um, in Korea. And so I didn't use that term until much later. But, you know, my father, again, you know, was a very interesting character and he was always sort of um, up front and as honest as he could be with me you know and he would probably tell me things that kids shouldn't hear and uh, I started to figure out that you know these were the types of women that he liked and then something just clicked in my little teenage brain and I thought well uh, you know, and I just asked him one day, well, was my mother a prostitute? And that's when he decided that I was old enough that he could tell me. You know, he always fell in love with the the wrong types of women. He always thought he could change them or rescue them. Or maybe it was just a simple transaction. Maybe he just liked it. You know, maybe there wasn't a lot of camouflage. Maybe everything was up front. You know, I don't know, but uh, he was just always sort of explicit about that kind of thing. But did you hear it from her side as well, like what her perspective was? I never heard it from her side. That was one of the things about this book that is actually kind of special to me, was that, you know, I had to create empathy for a mother figure that I never had. You know, I had to figure out her story um, and the more poems that I tried to write from her perspective the more I sort of empathized and understood you know she did what she had to do to survive and you know I appreciate that now I'm struck by you know you're also talking about your poetry in terms of giving comfort as well you know and so it- it's a different connotation even when even when you've given that history, which I didn't know um, about women in, during the Korean War, this idea of giving comfort to people. You know, that's been one of the, the best things about writing this particular book is that, um, you know, I started out in one place and then ended up in another and, you know, ended up with a mother that I didn't have before. Um, before writing this book, I don't really think I I appreciated or understood or even empathized with my mother. But after writing this book, you know, it became clear, 
you know, that these were just two people caught up in their own circumstances. The other question that I wanted to follow up with is this this idea of having these multiple identities. And I wonder how, because your your work has also been, um, so the person, right, is a explicitly a black organization and we recognize the world of black writing but you've also been recognized you won the walt whitman award from the academy of american poets and you know you you have a an academic position as well at savannah state and so how do you feel about the sort of i guess the sort of duality or the multiplicity or the within the world of writing i know years ago i had spoken to Percival Everett about, he was grateful for the recognition from Hurston Wright, but he felt boxed in a bit, you know, by having these different categories um, of writing. So I wonder, is there any difference in the way that you're, that you feel about uh, Hurston Wright Awards and uh, versus the Walt Whitman Awards? I mean, what is the larger meaning for you in having these different Uh, categories? I'm actually very, very excited about this specific award just because the book hits so many different categories, it's actually nice to be recognized specifically by an African-American award. I don't teach at Savannah State anymore, but, you know, I taught there for maybe five years. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an HBCU. And one of the things that was so special about teaching at Savannah State, and specifically at an HBCU, was that it was almost like um, I had to unbrainwash myself. It was almost like reprogramming. I think there's so many things in sort of like the media and the culture that are negative that try to personify blackness as negative. And so when I taught at this HBCU, it was this sort of wonderful experience and transformative experience of just the whole idea, you know, that I was with these young black minds and they were hungry and, you know, they wanted education and it was just, it was just this beautiful experience. And so being nominated for this award specifically means a lot to me because it's, it's like being recognized by my own race. I, you know, I'm appreciative for any recognition. I would love to be recognized by Asian Americans. <laughs> I'd love to, um, you know, I was nominated for um, an award that was specifically for gay writers. And so I have no problems with, uh, mm-hmm. with boxes. Um, as long as I'm just not stuck in the box. I like being part of multiple boxes, if that makes sense. Are you still teaching now? You know, I'm not teaching now because uh, I moved to Athens, Georgia. Oh. Um, because my partner um, is getting his master's degree in social work, and so um, he's going to UGA, and, and so we moved from Savannah to Athens, and so... Right now, I'm just floating. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, And thank you so much for the writing and for the history lesson and, you know, all of that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for the question. Thank you for being interested. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. 